Hey guys, this is me, Ebony. I am back with another podcast for the month of November. I hope you guys are blessed and doing well in Jesus' name. This month's podcast is going to be titled Unclogged. Unclogged. Getting spiritually and mentally unclogged for God's greater purpose for your life, right? So when you think of unclogged, you may be thinking of, well, it's something that's supposed to have a natural flow, a natural steady um, movement and you have to get it unclogged so that that flow can continue that that direction of where it's supposed to go the things that needs to be moved can continue to move so when you think of unclogged that's some of the things that you may think of you may think of a clogged up sink or you know a clogged up uh, bathroom tub and you're thinking you may have to call a plumber you know things like that to get it fixed because there's something that's jamming um, what's naturally, naturally supposed to happen. So getting unclogged spiritually and mentally for God's greater purpose for your life. I'm going to go deeper. I was studying the book of Exodus, specifically uh, chapter 14. And as I was studying it, God just gave me this word to give to you. And when God gave it to me, I was like, wow, this is so powerful. And this is even for me. This is, this is like a word in due season. And I am praying that as you're listening to this podcast that you are listening in to what God is telling you and that for some of you, I am praying that this this podcast is a confirmation of what God has already told you. Because there's nothing like getting what God yourself and hearing from someone else, you know, who is also a child of God, confirmation because that kind of gives you a a stamp of approval like you know you heard what you heard. You don't doubt God's voice. You you know for sure that, you know, this is a word from God because you haven't spoken to, you know, that person or you haven't spoken to me and here they are giving you the same word that God has given you or something similar with the same meaning, right? So for some of you, I hope that this is just a confirmation that from what you have already heard from God. So getting spiritually and mentally unclogged for God's greater purpose. As I was studying the book of Exodus, right? It occurred to me that Moses was a prime example of how one person can be greatly used by God, right? God used Moses to fulfill his purpose for his people, right? God used one person to lead his people, but ultimately within Moses' campground, because the people were so great, you know, uh, spending 40 years, you know, in the wilderness, you know, of course, people were married, people were, you know, having babies, so generations were um, increasing, so Moses had to have help. So within uh, Moses' camp, he had to rely on other people to help uh, take on a, the burden of leading God's people. But ultimately, God called Moses initially, right? God called Moses to lead his people and to, to lead God's people to, where, to what he had for them and to where he had them to go, right? And you may be thinking, why, right? Because God said in his word that it was time for his people to be free from bondage. God got tired of seeing his people in bondage, being uh, up under the Egyptians, being ruled by them, you know. Um, God heard their cries, you know. His people, God wanted his people to be set free. God wanted his people to be set free from slavery, from exhaustion, from lack because when you're a slave you you most of the times lack what it is that God has for you because when you're a slave what do they do 
in order to control a human being when you're a slave they withhold certain things from you they try to separate you from your family they don't feed you as well so that way you'll know that whoever's in control is about business they're serious if there's consequences to you know not doing what it is that you're you're being commanded to do right so god got tired of his people lacking you know god got tired of seeing his people you know in poverty you know and things of that nature and i'm sure certain things happen you know within you know their time in in egypt that some stuff you know we probably don't know some stuff you know you probably don't want to talk about um you know the things that could have happened back then uh but it was just things that God, you know, was tired of seeing his people in. God got tired of seeing his uh, people endure maltreatment, right, from the Pharaohs. And basically, God was tired of seeing, you know, his people, you know, get thrown darts from Satan. Satan was bringing certain things their way. And God was like, you know what, I'm tired of this. I hear my people. I hear their cry, you know. And it's like, you may be thinking, well, why did God allow them to be up under the rulership of the Egyptians? You know, who knows? God God allows certain things to happen in certain times for a certain reason, right? But regardless of what God allows and re regardless of what we sometimes get ourselves into, God said he had had enough of their crying. He heard their cries. He heard their pleas and he raised up Moses um, in this time for such a time as this. God raised Moses for this purpose. God is saying the same to some of you, you know, God is saying it is time. It is time to go to a place that he has prepared for you and for God, for his will, for your life to be better than anything on this earth that Satan can throw your way. Getting unclogged can honestly be painful, but when you are done going through what it is that you're going through, your seasons or season, the reward will be worth it, even if you may be thinking, well, what if I go through something that I put myself in? You know, what if it's because of my own disobedience? When God takes you from his glory to his glory to your mistakes after mistake after mistake, back to his glory to his glory, those transitions and, and what, what happens in the middle of even your mistakes, even your disobedience, you may be thinking, oh, I can't be used by God. God still called you, right? God can still use you. When you decide to turn your life around and and get with God and say, you know what? I've been living wrong. I've been living uh, in such a way that is not pleasing to you, Lord. And when you repent of those things, when you repent of your mistakes, God hears you and he sees you. And he will want to um, restore you. He, he wants to restore you know, the time that you wasted. He want to restore your time that you've allowed Satan to steal from you and from God, right? And it's all going to be worth it at the end. And God is going to allow you to mess up. God sometimes allows you to mess up. He allows you to make the mistakes. And that's a part of the restoration is, is that when you see that your mistakes can be, I guess, not guess, but your mistakes can be washed in and of the blood of Jesus Christ and it and it can all be turned out to work together for the good. And and only the power of God can do that. Only the power of God can can take the mistakes that you've made. The power of God can take the the, the abortions that you've you've uh had and, and and only the the um the miscarriages that you've had, the 
the mental anguish that you've gone to. Only, only God in his power and in his infinite wisdom and in his unconditional love can take your mistakes and still mold it and make it fit into his purpose because God is that powerful. God is that wholesome. And God loves us that much that he can take anything that it is that we do and he can make it fit like a piece of a puzzle into the whole piece of the picture, a part of the pie, and he can make it fit to where we go, wow. So that was to be used for good. That was to be used for the greater good. And it's the power of God in the anointing of the Holy Spirit that will allow other people to look at your life and for you to give your testimony and go, wow, you know, she recovered from those mistakes. He recovered from those mistakes. It is only the power of God, but you have to get unclogged first. You have to, you have to get what's in your life out that's stopping you from moving forward. You have to unclog your spiritual and your mental drain because right now Satan is throwing some darts your way and you may be thinking man I don't know how I'm gonna bounce back from this you know you know anything could be clogging your your spiritual drain your mental drain you know what I'm saying but only God can help you see what it is that's clogging you up and it's only gonna be by the power of God that's going to help you get unclogged because it is only from God that God can destroy the yoke of Satan that is on your life, right? And, and, and that's with all mistakes. Like, I, I'm not talking about just some mistakes. I'm not talking about a little bit of mistakes. I mean all of your mistakes, right? The time that you felt you even wasted, God will restore back to you. God used Moses for his purpose. And God used Moses for his greatest purpose. It had been a long road for Moses. If you really look back on Moses' life, Moses didn't have an easy life. And not only before he led God's people, but during the time that he led them, uh, Moses had a hard time. Leading, um, leading people and doing the will of God is no easy task. And it's honestly not for the faint of heart. And it's definitely not for the weak, right? God's will... And his purpose for your life will have its challenges. But I'm here to tell you that you will be challenged to become a better person. You will be challenged to grow, right? But you also have to know on this day that you will have to fight for that growth. Because Satan is going to throw everything he can your way to clog you up, right? So you cannot be used for the greater good. Satan thought that he can throw darts Moses' way by having Moses kill uh, one of the Egyptians who fought a Hebrew person and Moses saw them and Moses was like, why are you trying to fight my brother? And Moses killed the Egyptian who fought off, who was fighting his brethren, who, you know, if you go back to Moses' history, Moses was a Hebrew, right? And Moses killed him off. And I'm sure Moses probably didn't mean to kill him, but he ended up dead killing him, right? And uh, later on down the line, you know, it just so happened that someone was actually watching Moses do all this, you know, X, Y, and Z, and then end up murdering someone. And then Moses tried to stand up for his people because by this time he had um, went back home and someone had told Moses to his face. He was, they was like, you know, how could you sit up here and tell us such and such and such when you committed murder? So they basically was telling Moses, how can you sit up here and give me a commandment? And how can you sit up here and try to act like you're better than me when I saw you commit a sin, when I saw you commit a crime? And that's when Moses had fled for a few decades. 
that's how Satan will use the, the things that you do, the, the, the mistakes that you've made, right? To get you to run from God's purpose, right? That was a clog in Moses' dream. Moses was ashamed that he killed someone trying to stand up for his people. Moses was ashamed that someone saw him commit a sin to commit a crime, right? And Moses was like, dang, you know, I done did this, they done saw this and that and the third from me. But little did Moses know that when he repented and when he would return back unto God, instead of continuing to run, God would still use that as a living testimony and as something, as a tool to strengthen Moses to say, you know what? It's not what the people see sometimes. It's me restoring you back to wholeness. It's me restoring you as if you never committed a sin. And we as children of God have to remember that as we're living day to day because every day is going to be a chance for us to, to mess up and to make a mistake. But again, every day that the sun rises and that the sun sets is going to also be another day that we have to do it over again, right? To do what over again? To do right by God and to make right and to repent and to to continue to move on and said, you know what? I wasn't the same person I was yesterday because the Holy Spirit is growing, growing me up. I wasn't the same person I was even a few hours ago because once you truly repent, once, once the Holy Spirit moves within you to repent, to have a heart after God, you, you change. Your flesh may have to catch up with your spirit and with your soul, but you have made an eternal decision to say, you know what, God? I'm not going to turn back. Now the Holy Spirit has to give you the grace, right, to what? To crucify your flesh because now your flesh has to, to get in line with the decision that you made in the spiritual realm that said, you know what? I'm not going to live that way again. I am going to start living for God. And the, the devil is going to throw any kind of dart that he could throw your way so that you can remain clogged. But I am here to tell you today that you can get unclogged because God has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for me. He has a purpose for all his children that are willing to continually, day by day, say, God, I am here. God, use me. I am here. And every day that you tell God that you are here, he is going to unclog you little by little. He is going to show you the things that you need to get rid of mentally and emotionally and spiritually. Because what? A lot of the things that we keep in our minds, a lot of the scenarios that we go over and over and over in our minds are not like God, right? You broke up with your ex, you know, you stopped speaking to so-and-so, right? But you're still holding grudges. Why? Because the picture that you keep playing in your mind tells you that you still need to keep holding a grudge against them. The, the old picture that you keep replaying in your mind is, is that, you know, you're never going to find another person like your ex, your boyfriend or your ex-girlfriend. So what you're doing is, is that you're clogging yourself up, right? In your soul realm, you're clogging yourself up in a spiritual realm and what you're giving off right your energy that you're giving off is is that i don't want to date no one right i don't want to get into another relationship because i'm never going to find someone like my ex but at the same time i couldn't stay with my ex because he or she was so toxic so what you're doing is, is you're building this wall right and you have this clogged drain that says i don't want to continue to get into relationships but at the same time internally you're lonely, you're fighting off, you know, certain things, you're fighting off depression, you're fighting off, you know, X, Y, and Z, and you're wondering how come God isn't sending you your, your, sending you your soulmate, 
But God is telling you because of the mental pictures that you keep playing over and over and over in your head, which is ultimately what's in your heart and ultimately what you're clogging up spiritually, you're telling God and you're telling the universe that you don't want a date, you don't want a man, you don't want a girl, you don't want a spouse, right? But on the inside, you have this desire, right? But God is saying that desire is being buried underneath your clog drain you're clogging yourself up by what not forgiving your ex you're clogging yourself up why but but not forgiving your ex friends so now god can't bring other friends into your life that he's ordained to be in your life to help you he, he could be trying to send you the, your next business partner right but you are so caught up and being messy from your uh, your ex friends that god can't send you his blessings so you need to get unclogged. You need to, to unclog your spiritual and mental, uh, your mental uh, capacity in order for God to fill you up with the things that he needs you to have to possess so you can be well equipped and spiritually mature to be used by God for his greatest purpose, right? Because every time we try to come up, right, and do better, right? And make up in our minds to become better sons and daughters of God. Satan comes along. And sometimes Satan can only come along with God's approval. Remember that God, Satan can only attack you if God allows him, right? Satan comes along to throw his darts, you know, into our lives. And he tries to stop you, right? But it is tempting to say that Satan tries to throw monkey riches into God's plan. But the truth and the fact of the matter is, is that... Satan cannot throw a monkey wrench into God's plan because God is too powerful, right? And Satan cannot throw that far. Satan, can't, Satan cannot reach where God is. So what does Satan do? Satan will try to get you to mess up, right? And he'll try to get you to forfeit the things that God has for you because he knows that he can't touch God. He knows that he can't touch, you know, what God has for you. But he knows that if he can get you to make a mistake, if he can get you to have a hard heart, uh, you know, after years and years and years, if he can get you to turn away from God, guess what? Boom. He can get you to, to forfeit your destiny. You see, Satan can't mess with God, but Satan can mess with you only if God allows him. But at the same time, if you're leaving yourself open to be attacked by Satan, you have to figure out what it is that you're doing. And this is a part, and this is a part of this series of getting unclogged. What is it that you need to unclog yourself from and what doors and cracks that you need to close so that Satan can have a foothold in your life so that way he cannot have the upper hand in the end, right? Remember, Moses was a great leader. And to me, like this is just my perspective and this is just from my understanding in the Bible besides Jesus Christ, right? Jesus Christ is always going to be the number one, right? Number one leader, right? But to me, Moses was one of God's great leaders in the Bible. There was a lot of leaders in the Bible. There was a lot of people who were used by God. But I feel like Moses was one of those, like he was like one of the greats. If I can have a top five, Moses would be like one of the top fives, right? Moses was God, one of God's greatest leaders, right? Moses had anger issues, right? That was something that was clogging him. And we can speak about that later, right? Moses had anger issues. Moses stuttered, right? But he spoke to God's people regardless of his limitations. Moses had Moses had, had limits, but God didn't, right? Remember that. We may have limits, but God doesn't. And sometimes, like Moses, Moses 
when God called Moses, Moses was like, I stutter. I can't speak correctly. People probably can't hear what it is that I'm saying. And pretty much Moses was trying to get out of God uh, using him to be great because Moses was like, I can't speak to your people. How am I going to lead people when I can't even speak correctly, when I'm, when I'm stuttering, when I have a stutter problem? And God was telling Moses, he was like, and I knew that already, but I still called you. Did God heal Moses from his stuttering problem? Probably not. But guess what? 40 and 50 and 60 years later, God, Moses was still leading God's people, right? We have limits, but God doesn't. So when we look to God, when God calls us to do certain things, right? We may think, man, I can't do this because, you know, I don't speak correctly or I don't speak well enough or, you know, I have a stuttering problem or, you know, um, you know, uh, you have vision problems or something like that. You know, some people may feel, you know, they can't get up and speak in front of people. They can't do X, Y, and Z. You may have limits. You may have physical limits, but God does not have any limits. God can still use you. And will God heal you? He may, but he may not, right? I think there are times when we all have to have a thorn in our side, like Paul, right? I do believe that God keeps the thorns in our side because it keeps us humble. It keeps us abound. It keeps us going after God because if we had everything working out in our favor all of the time, sometimes we make it high-minded, right? But only God knows that, right? You may have limits. If God wanted to heal you, he would heal you. And if he has a healing for you, he will heal you. But if he doesn't, are you going to still get unclogged so God can use you? You ever notice that God uses the most unqualified people to do the most outrageous most outrageous spectacular great things of god why does god do does this why does he do this why does god continue to do this right i don't know the full answer for this you know as a human being i don't know the full answer to this question but i do know that god have us has an answer partly that he has given us and we can look at it in uh the bible right i believe that part of the answer as to why God uses the weak things of the world to confound the wises, right? I think that God sometimes allows the weak people to be used to confound the wise so that people can see that it's not all about your head knowledge. It's not all about what you know. It's not it's not all about, you know, your your plaques that you have on the wall, right? And I also believe that, you know, people who appear to be weak to confound those who believe that they are entitled to be on top. Sometimes God does that and he puts people who were once called trash. He puts people in, in high positions who were once called, you know, sluts and prostitutes and crackheads, you know, um, you know, in, 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 uh, however you would call it, like, you know, promiscuous or sleeping around with other people. And, you know, how can they now be the CEO of their company? How can they now be a billionaire when in high school, you know, they used to trick around? God uses anyone who is willing to say, God, here I am. And it says in first Corinthians chapter one, verses 27, and I'm going to read the, the King James versions, right? Verse 27. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Right? 
Why does God do that? In 1 Corinthians, we see this spelled out very clearly. God said it boldly. It is to keep people humble. To always know that you can have eight degrees in theology, but God may not have called you to preach the gospel just because you find theology very easy. There are probably, honestly, some people in the pulpit, and you can email me, you can write me letters, you can post comments. I don't care, but I know that is true. There are some people in the pulpit who they are preaching the gospel, but God did not call them to preach the gospel. They are preaching the gospel probably because they don't went to theology school, they didn't got these degrees, these doctors, these PhDs, and they feel like because they've got these degrees that they can preach the gospel in the pulpit and degrees and plaques and and board certifications may get you in the pulpit but it's only the anointing and the calling of god that is going to keep you there and it's true not everybody in the pulpit is called by god to preach the gospel and there are some people who they they honestly they are trying they think that they are called but they're not but back to what i was saying just because you have a degree, just because you fill out the boxes and, and you check off, you know, the little check marks, it doesn't mean that you are qualified, you know, in that area. God may put someone in an area who they don't have a degree. They may have a GED. They may have three kids from three different baby mothers, you know, and what would the church say? Oh, they have kids out of wedlock. They're not married. They're they're not, um, you know, they don't have a good uh, name behind their name. And it doesn't matter because God uses the weak to confound the wise. Watch. Because God is showing us that it's all about his power. It's all about what he says. If God has called you and me to do a certain thing, if we stick to his will, if we stick to his promises, if we if we keep drawing nearer to God, right? God is going to ensure that we fulfill his purposes for our lives, right? Now, do God want us to make all the mistakes that we've made? No, right? Does God want to be hurt by us, by our disobedience, by living in sin and, and turning away from God and fellowshipping with Satan? No, God doesn't want that, right? That's not what I'm saying. God doesn't want that. God doesn't want to see you know, some of the path that, you know, some of us have taken. You know, I'm not saying that God wants to see that. But what I'm saying is, is that God loves us so much that when he restores, he restores completely. He restores without hesitation. He restores without judgment. He restores because he loves us. And as he's restoring us and as we're drawing nearer to him, as we're, we're digging deep in God's word, as we're fasting and praying, God is unclogging us little by little and season by season. And during our transition, that's when God is helping us to be stronger, right? And my question to you is, is what purpose do you think that God has for you? Has God spoken anything to you that you can remember? What areas are you gifted in? What comes to you naturally, you know? And, and I wanna say to you, like I've said before, Maybe God hasn't called you to do it, but maybe you're still gifted, right? Maybe it comes naturally because it's a generational blessing, right? And I, I'm not saying that this is what you have to do, but what I'm saying is, is that if you are one of those people who you're questioning God and you're you're like, well, what does God have for me to do? You know, start somewhere. Start with what you're gifted with. Start with what comes naturally. Start with what you think God is telling you to do, right? 
And if after a while you do it and God says no, right, it's a start. And sometimes God wants you to take those initial steps, right, to show your obedience to him, to show that you're going to be disciplined before God can show you what else that he has in store for you, right? And do not get caught up in that maybe you're called for the rest of your life to do certain things because Moses did not start out leading God's people, right? Moses' background was similar. So if you think that God is calling you to do one thing, do it and do it wholeheartedly, but always keep one ear to God and always honestly keep yourself humble and keep yourself thirsty and hungry that even as you're doing the will of God and what you think he still has for you to do, always be mindful that if God wants to switch it up and tell you to do something else, be flexible in that God may tell you to, you know what, I have something else for you to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, like I said before, Moses didn't start out leading God's people. That's one of the great things that Moses did. But that wasn't all that God had had for him, right? And I'll, and I'll get on to all of what Moses did before God actually called him to lead his people. Moses' background is a lot similar to those people today. And I wonder how many people sit around and really think about Moses' life, right? And, and, and realize is that the fact is that Moses was adopted, right? That's unbiblical unbi for back in those days. Moses was adopted. Moses was adopted into wealth. And Moses was adopted into the king's place. Because remember, Moses was up under Pharaoh and his mother, or shall I say his adopted, his adoptive mother, right? But then God moved upon Moses' heart to go back to, to a place and a people that, honestly, if you look at it from the outside, looked as though they abandoned him, right? Because do you think back in the days, uh, Moses' uh, adopted mother explained to Moses from a kid, hey, you were adopted. I don't know. I don't know the whole story. But I'm assuming that, you know, they come from wealth and when you're dealing with wealthy people, when you're dealing with a king, when you're dealing with a a, a queen, a prince, a, a princess, right? What happens when you have someone who you're calling your son or your daughter, right? Who's going to take the rightful, uh, you know, heir of the throne? So what do you try to do if that was you? Because people will testify and say that, you know, if you've adopted this child, they're not the rightful owner of the throne. It has to be someone who's biological. So just think about, you know, things like that, that maybe that could have played out in Moses' life. You know, maybe she didn't explain that Moses was adopted because maybe she didn't want to get the word out. Maybe she didn't want to get the word out that, you know, uh, this wasn't her biological son. Maybe very few people, you know, around Moses' adoptive mother knew of the real story. But I'm guessing that not a lot of people, now they could have, but I'm just guessing that if this was the story, Moses probably didn't know that he was adopted until later on in life. So Moses grew up thinking that he was one, one way and he was thinking that he was Egyptian when really Moses was a Hebrew. And Moses come from unwealthy people, an unwealthy bloodline, right? So Moses' background was that he was adopted his life that he lived was not the truth. He was from a different nationality. He didn't come from wealth, but he was born into it, right? 
and there was probably a lot of stipulations uh, about you know eventually as he as he got older you know because what happens when you're born from different nationalities and from different backgrounds right i'm sure the hebrews and egyptians look very different so as moses got older i'm sure that there were some questions about okay so whose kid is this if he don't really look like Pharaoh and his and his mother right so things like that Moses had a background that was similar to a lot of people nowadays and that consisted of what drama drama bickering fighting entitlement things like that and to me honestly this is a word for a lot of people this is a word for you this is a word for me this is a word for someone who actually needs it Moses had to go back eventually to a place that God put it on his heart, right, to confront. Because it said in the Bible that, Mo that God put it on Moses' heart to go back to his people. Moses had, to Moses had to go from the king's palace to wealth, to being filthy rich, to owning anything that he wanted. Anything that he wanted, he can have. From going to riches and glory to rags, right? That's a word. That's a word from somebody. That is a word. Listen to me carefully. God had to bring Moses back from a place of wealth to what he wasn't rightfully entitled to. Biologically, Moses had to go back to a place. And if Moses wasn't told a real story, or maybe he was told later on, because eventually you have to know that may, most likely Moses didn't know at some point in his life because it, it, it said in God's word that Moses had on his heart to go back and to see his mother, his earthly mother, his, his um, I'm sorry, not his earthly mother, his biological mother, right? So at some point, Moses knew of his story. He knew of the real story, right? And did he know the whole story? I'm sure he didn't because Moses' mother never met, um, you know, Pharaoh's wife, his, his adopted mother. Moses', Moses uh, mother never had a, a conversation with her. Maybe as they got older, I don't know, you know, that's not in the Bible. But just to know that maybe Moses was told a different story. Maybe Moses was told, you know, your mother didn't love you. Or maybe he was told that maybe she couldn't do certain things. You know, who knows, who knows the story that Moses had in his head. But what I'm trying to tell you is, is that Moses had to go back to a place to where maybe he felt abandoned. He had to go back to a people who he felt maybe abandoned him. You know, what was the story that he was being told? What were the things that he felt? How did he feel? You know, did he feel love? You know, where did his stutter come from? You know, like I would have these questions if I was adopted and, and, I, and I was in a palace or, you know, someplace wealthy and come to find out that, you know, you was adopted from the Hebrews. Moses probably was like, what? You know, most of the people like, I come from poor people. After I've been up in this palace eating grapes and, and being on this diet, you know, looking fabulous and, and great and wonderful. Most of the people like, uh-uh, stop playing. No, I don't. I don't come from no poor people, you know. And I'm saying that all jokingly, you know, with all due respect. But, you know, back in the back in the Bible days, the Hebrews didn't really have a lot, right? So Moses probably had all these questions in his head. But the, the thing of, that I love about the story and, and Moses' journey is that God put it on Moses' heart to go back to his mother. And I believe that God put it on Moses' heart to, to go back and to confront his mother and to go back and to, to get the pieces of the puzzle and probably some questions answered because 
at this point in time, I do believe that God was still revealing to Moses all what he wanted Moses to do for him, right? And remember, Moses came from a background that didn't, well, not a background, but Moses, well, so Moses' background, adoptive background, Moses came from a people who, did, who didn't believe in God, right? So when Moses heard from God to go visit his mother for numerous of reasons, Moses was being talked to by God that his his adoptive his adoptive parents didn't serve. So you have to understand that there's a few dynamics playing out here, right? Moses was adopted by people who didn't believe in God. They worship idol idol idolaters. They worship idols, and whereas Moses come from a people who believe strongly in God, and 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 that's where Moses got his faith, and that's where um, God moved upon Moses. Moses had to go back to a place, and I believe that God moved upon Moses' heart and mind to go see his mother because this was at a pivotal moment in Moses' life where God is like, now I need you to go back. I need you to go back to a place that you felt abandoned. I need you to go back to a mother who you felt left you. I need you to go back and get some, some questions answered, right? And I need you to go back and to confront some things within your own mother that you may see in yourself. Now, I'm going to pause from this story before I continue to go on. And this is what I feel like God has told me and, and revealed to me, right? Whenever we are confronting family members, right? Especially the immediate family, like your mother, your father, your uncle, your cousins. Whenever we're confronting family, when we're dealing with bloodlines, when we're dealing with um when we're dealing with people within our bloodline right we're dealing with generational curses and we're also dealing dealing with generational blessings but what god wanted me to to relate to you is is that when we're confronting family members when we're confronting our mother our father our sisters our brothers um just know that the same things in them that you are confronting just know that there's a high chance, right? A very high chance that you are confronting those same things within yourself. Because when we are born from our parents, whether we like it or not, the truth of the matter is, is that we are born with generational curses and we are born with gener generational blessings, right? So some of the same demons that you're confronting in other people within your bloodline is gonna be, there's gonna be a high, high chance, right? that you have that same issue so the same mirror that you're putting up in front of other people to confront to say hey can you look at this can you verify this can you explain this to me eventually that's going to become your mirror now i'm not saying that it has to stay with you right for the rest of your life because generational curses by the blood of jesus are meant to be broken they are meant to be destroyed right because jesus is that powerful but i think that this was a pivotal moment in Moses's life when God wanted him to confront his mother because this was a season right of getting unclogged well this is one of the seasons where Moses had to get unclogged where Moses had to confront issues in his mother that he probably was seeing in himself right so keep that in mind whenever you are getting unclogged and it's a point to where you have to confront people within your family Ask God to show you if there is anything in you that is like the person that you're confronting 
or the issues that you are confronting because the last thing you want to do is have people be honest about their bones in their closet and you never confront the own bones in your closet that has become a replica of your family's bloodline, right? Because believe it or not, there are some things in me that comes from my mother, that comes from my father, and it's not the healthiest of, you know, of characteristics, but I have them. Why? Because I'm born, born into a world of sin. That's just how it is when Adam and Eve sin. You know, it's not anything that we can run from. But once we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, now we have the power of the blood of Jesus, right? To break the bad generational blood, right? To break the, the generational curses. So this was a season in Moses' life where he had to get unclogged. God called him to confront his mother so that way he can confront his own mirror that he was seeing within himself, right? And this is a word for somebody. God had to call Moses back to a place in the people that abandoned him. And I honestly think that this was a hard task, right? Because I am sure, mostly, that Moses was not aware of all the reasons as to why he was given up for adoption, like I had said before, right? But eventually, he found out the whole truth, which was the full truth, and he still loved his mother, right? Moses still loved his mother, and it even said in the Bible that, you know, he didn't have any hard feelings, you know, for her. But it was just that God said that this was a season for Moses to be vulnerable and for Moses to transition from one place to the next, right? And I believe that what Moses was confronting physically was also being broken in the spiritual realm. Because there are certain things that we have to confront and we have to confront it out in the open. Because what, what did I say in some of my other podcasts and in some of my Bible studies is, is that Satan likes things to be hidden. He likes things to be to be buried because if we don't confront it, guess what? It doesn't exist, but it does exist. And you have to bring sin to the light. You have to confront certain demons. You have to bring it to the light because what does the light do? The light overtakes and overpowers darkness. And as long as you're not confronting certain things, as long as you're remaining to stay clogged and stopped up, Satan is going to have his way in the background and God doesn't want that. If you want to be used greatly by God, you are going to have to become unclogged, right? Unclogged so that way God's anointing can flow through your life. So that way God's blessings can flow through to you so you can bless other people. And there are certain generational curses that God wants you to, to, to break. So that way your future children can be blessed and not operate in the generation of curses that unfortunately you had to operate in but God said now is the time to go back to a place to where you felt abandoned and to confront those things right anyone who finds out that they were adopted normally goes through uh, confusion I would assume and it's probably a devastating time and devastating moment within someone's life to to figure out you know after all this time you know, after not knowing that, you know, you were adopted, that's hard to, to, to find out, you know, that, you know, who, who are these people I was loving this whole time? You know, you know, is this why I felt different? Is this why I kind of felt off? You know, is this why I felt like there was a secret, you know, all these years, you know, who knows? Um, and I believe that it can take an emotional toll and not, uh, to mention a mental, a mental toll on anyone who, who finds out that they're, they're adopted the mental anguish one must feel 
when they are told after 18 plus years, you know, that the parents who were right before them is not their biological parents. To me, I feel like that, that that's earth shattering, you know? It's, it's hard because it's like sometimes you may have a question of who, who are these people I was loving all this time, you know? How come they're not my real parents, you know? It's, it's, to me, I feel like it's a moment of abandonment, you know? Even though the parents who adopt you loved you very well, they provided for you, they gave you a life that maybe your, earth, your biological parents could never provide, but still you feel lied to, you feel, you know, um, that you were deceived, you know, it's, it's probably a lot of emotions and a, a lot of psychological things that can go on, you know, within a person who finds out that, you know, the parents that raised them is really not their biological parents, right? Yet Moses had to have all those issues worked out and was humbled by God before he would be greatly used by God because if you've ever know if you've if you live long enough on this earth right and if you've seen other people's testimonies who are children of God who are saved and through Jesus Christ they'll tell you that before God used them greatly before they even knew it or not there are certain things that had to be worked out it's just like a person who who marries a soulmate right you you ask people who um who married their soulmates and uh you, you may ask questions like, you know, how did you know that they were your soulmate? You know, what are the things that you've done before, you know, you got married? And a lot of them will tell you they had to work on themselves. They they were under construction. They got with God. They were serious and, and they were content. Like they were not looking for a husband and they were, they were not looking for a wife. They were not looking for a spouse. They were just on this journey with God because... They knew that they had some issues and they knew that they had to, to work on some things because sometimes people come from a dark place. Sometimes people come from a place where you can have all the money in the world, but you're not happy. You can have all the things in the world, but you're not happy. You can inherit um, uh, a CEO position, you know, from your parents or your friends, you know, if you're that blessed and you can still be unhappy. And they'll tell you they were at a point in their lives to where they was like, it was just time. You know, it was time to start dealing with these things that they got tired of dragging around. And I do believe that, honestly, it's a move from God. You know, when, when we get tired of ourselves, when we get tired of our own mistakes, when we get tired of making the same dumb decisions, you know, in the end, you know, you look at all of your exes and you look at all of your, your ex-friends and you look at, you know, certain people who you're attracted to be around or attracted to be around you, you'll notice that it's always a pattern. Why? Because a lot of times your darkness, your your generational curses, your toxicity attracts certain people because it's what you have in yourself. So people come to a place to where they'll tell you it was just time to deal with the, the dirt, the baggage, the emotional drainage and stuff like that. And they'll tell you that they 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 were working on them to become a better person and bam, you know, what you have. You have God sending you your blessings because you got rid of the junk right so this was a pivotal moment for Moses this was a turning point and this was one of the the moments where I believe Moses had to get unclogged to be used by God there were certain things that that Moses had to understand before he can move on on the path that God has for him right to be greatly used right and although that there was some evidence of childhood issues you know Moses was anger he was he had anger issues um 
he was impatient with God's people because remember Moses came from the king's palace. He came from wealthy people. When when he said jump, people jumped. You know, when when Moses commanded people to do certain things because he was over them, they did what he said. So Moses was also dealing with how he was raised, you know, in the king's palace. Moses had to deal with that. He had to deal with people who they were not used to being under rulership. They were disobedient. They did what they wanted to do. And Moses, Moses was not used to that. And a lot of this came out in how Moses was leading God's people because of the certain things that Moses was used to. You know, he was used to the high life. And now he had to become a servant to God's people, but also be a leader. But I also believe that God took um, how Moses was raised. You know, God also used the fact that Moses knew how to command. Moses knew how to to get people in line. Moses knew how to to command an army and things like that. So God used how Moses was raised along with his background to say, now all of this is going to work together for the good, right? And what was Moses good? Moses Moses's good was leading God's people to a place that God had for him. You know you know what I'm saying? Like you get my you get what I'm trying to say? So so God used the fact that Moses was raised in a palace, but God also used the fact that Moses had a background that was kind of sketchy. He came from drama. There was issues, right? But God still used him. And God still took care of Moses on the inside. Moses allowed God to humble him because he knew God's purpose was bigger than his childhood, childhood issues. And God's purpose was bigger than Moses himself. When we decide to get unclogged, right, from our own self, from our own issues, right? We have to push aside ourselves. Getting unclogged means that we have to push aside and focus on the plan that God has for us because it is bigger than us. It is about God's people. It's about reaching God's people. It's about God's purpose for our lives, right? Once we realize that it's not about us and we realize that it's about God, it it can become a little bit easier, I can honestly say, because you realize that, okay, if God called me to do X, Y, and Z, God has equipped me. He is going to be with me the whole way. He is going to guide me. God is never going to let me fail, right? You know, even in the midst of my, in, in the midst of my mistakes. So, so when we realize that it's bigger than us, it's bigger than what we think it is, and, and it's bigger because it's about God and it's, it's about his purpose, it becomes easier because you you think it to yourself. If God called me to it, that means I have to get it accomplished. Meaning God sees the end goal. He sees the end goal that, you know, you're going to be successful. You're going to be great at it. And this is why Satan throws his darts of confusion, sex, drugs, and people's weight to throw them off course. Because like I said in the beginning, Satan can't throw darts uh, guards away because he can't reach him. And, and God is too powerful so what does Satan try to do? He'll throw darts our way, right, to get us off course. God's purpose for your life is bigger than any drug addiction. It's bigger than any sex addiction. It's bigger than any man, any woman, any strife, any anger. And strife and anger can honestly be toxic that it halts everything in your life. Anger and anger and, and um, strife is one of the things that I know that will clog you up faster right than a lot of things right because anger and strife is is for one anger and strife is the spirit of satan so
So when you have strife and anger and you're holding on to it, you're you're grieving the Holy Spirit. You're grieving God. And you won't be able to hear God as clearly when you're holding on to anger and strife. And if you have anger going on and if you have some strife going on internally because you have internal turmoil and that you have some unresolved issues, get with God to ask him to unclog you because that is going to be a fastest way that you can fail. Because when you have anger and you have strife, you, you, you are most likely guaranteed to have unforgiveness. Get unclogged so you can see the manifestations of God in your life. Get unclogged because your future, you deserves the very best version of you in this season and in the seasons to come. And I say that with all love and I say that with all genuality because when you become a better, better version of yourself and when you realize that through all what God has been holding on to you for and, and, and all the things that God has, has brought you through. When you become a better version of yourself, you're going to look back and you're going to think, man, thank God God didn't let me go. Thank God that he didn't give up on me in, 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 in the midst of mistake number three, you know, in the midst of abortion number three, in the midst of, you know, X number three, you know, or at the time, you know, uh, your third boyfriend or your third girlfriend or your third marriage, you know, you thank God that he didn't give up on you. And I can give you a list of areas to get unclogged in, but it is ultimately between you and the Lord to work out your issues or issue one season at a time. Allow God to plant seeds of holiness, seeds of perseverance, seeds of meekness, seeds of love in your life, and ask God for the patience not only to allow those seeds to be planted, but to wait in your season to see all these seeds harvested. Because sometimes I think that we can become impatient, right? We can get excited about, you know, the word of, oh, God wants to plant seeds in your life and God wants to plant this and God wants to give you this. But then you have a season to where you have to wait and then you're waiting and then you're waiting. And in your, in your waiting seasons, which I call your transition seasons, you can sometimes become impatient and you can be tempted to mess certain things up. So patience in your in-between seasons is where you will need to rely on God the most and you will need to rely on him heavily. What may seem like a season of idleness is really a season of transition. Your transitions are your vulnerability seasons. These seasons, you must watch who God sends and you must also watch who Satan sends, right? Because Satan knows who to send to wreck your life and God knows who to send to bless your life. And the thing about Satan is that he is deceptive. But one thing that I can also add on here for you to do, if you are in your season of transitions, even if you're not in your seasons of transitions, even if you're in your seasons of harvest, right? Always ask God for an increased spirit of discernment because you need to discern who's walking into your life and who's walking out. Right, and knowing who's walking in and who's walking out is important because when people walk into our lives, sometimes they're sent from Satan. So, if you know who's walking into your life, you know who to block, you know who to tell to, you know what, you can't come, you're not welcome here. Right, that's one way to look at it. And then, if you're no, if you know who's walking out of your life, you'll know 
who God is allowing to walk out of your life for a reason because what happens when people uh, want to walk out of our lives or when it's time for people to leave our lives, right? What do we want to do? We want to hold on to it. And if we're holding on to a person where God is saying, okay, their season in your life is up or most importantly, maybe God is telling you that this person was never supposed to be in your life. You're holding on to a person who you opened the door for when God was telling you you were supposed to keep that door closed. What happens when we hold on to things when God wants us to let go? If we have our hands full with things that are not supposed to be in our lives, we cannot have our hands empty for the things that God wants to place in our lives. So knowing who's walking in and who's walking out is so vital to your walk with Christ and it's so vital to helping you get unclogged and, and, and free is to know who are you supposed to let go and who you're supposed to let in. Because again, it's that flow, right? It's that flow of the anointing. It's the direction that God wants you to go. It's the direction that people in your life are supposed to go. Some are supposed to go out and some are supposed to go in. But if you're blocking God's uh, direction, if you're blocking God's flow, and it's not that we have the power to block God himself because he's the almighty, right? He's powerful, but God isn't going to, to use us as robots. God gives us the power of free will. So when I say that we can clog up God's direction, we can clog, clog up God's blessings, it's only because God gives us the free will because he never wants to impose on us because God wants to come to him freely. Why? Because he gives to us freely. He loves us freely. He loves us unconditionally. His love for us isn't based on conditions, and that's how God wants us to come to him, right? Without hindrance, without fear. Reverential fear, yes, but not not fear like, oh, if I don't love God, he is going to bless me. Not, not like that, right? My other point is, is that you may feel a sense of lightness during your transition seasons, or you may feel a sense of heaviness during your transition seasons. Either sensing, be sure not to be pushed in the wrong direction. And I say this because when you feel heavy pressure, it is because God may be wanting to, you to draw closer to him, to, to, to get with him, to hear what he has to say. But sometimes pressure can make people feel uncomfortable. So they revert back to their old ways because it's a, a feeling of what? Familiarity. It's a feeling of what? Comfortableness. No one likes to feel uncomfortable. No one likes to feel out of place. You know, I don't like to be uncomfortable, but I know that from uncomfortable can come the most blessed places in my life. And if you've been uncomfortable before, you know what I'm talking about. You know that sometimes feeling uncomfortable cannot be the greatest of feelings. But if you just stick with it, if you just hold on to God, if you just stick with God and his plan, eventually... What used to feel uncomfortable is going to begin to feel comfortable. Allow yourself to feel. Feeling uncomfortable can be a good thing if you allow it. This feeling can assist you in your journey to move forward. And I say that because when, when we feel uncomfortable, what do we like to do? We like to go to things that makes us feel comfortable. But if we can get used to going to God when we feel uncomfortable when we if we get used to praying when things feel a little shaky if we can get used to going to God immediately when we don't feel right about something right God will always tell us the answer God is never going to sit up there and try to dangle you know an answer inside of a surprise box and and, and say 
you know, if you don't draw close, I'm not going to give you an answer. If you don't do this, I'm not going to give you an answer. God is never going to play with us mentally and spiritually, right, and emotionally. God is not like that. God is serious about I will walk with him. So if we inquire of him, he will answer. But we have to understand that he will answer in his due season. It's not always when we want the answer. It's when he is ready to give it to us. Moses had to push aside his feelings of uncomfortable feelings. Do you think it was easy for Moses to be a servant and a leader to God's people? I would honestly say, nope, I don't think so. Remember, Moses could have been king. Moses, had, Moses could have been over the Egyptians. But instead, God had Moses to be king and a servant over God's people for 40 years and for decades that were spent in a wilderness, right? What did I tell you Moses was used to? He was used to the high life. He was used to riches. He was used to being rich and not wanting for nothing. And now he had to lead and be a servant to God's people and to God himself. If you ask me, honestly, that is a blow to anyone's ego. Coming from a palace, leading people through the wilderness. Most people would prefer a palace to rule over. But Moses ruled in the forest. He ruled in the... He ruled people going through rivers he ruled people going through the wilderness and Moses had to lead people who was disobedient and honestly if you read the whole story of Moses we in like a lot of the chapters of Exodus you will see that not only did Moses had to rule people who was disobedient Moses had to rule people who doubted his ability to lead they doubted his ability to to uh, take care of them because what happens when you're disobedient, you start rebelling. You start questioning things. You start questioning things of people just because you can. Because you want to go against the grain. Because it's in your nature to be rebellious, right? That's what they did. They questioned him. But Moses still had to lead people. Like I said before, Moses was used to leading people and commanding people who, whenever Moses said do something, they would do it without question. Now Moses had to lead people who they questioned him all the time. They were rebellious. They they didn't think that he probably could lead in certain areas and whatnot. And that's that's a hard place to be in. It's 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 hard leading people who who doubt you. It's hard leading people who you have to convince them that this is what God said, you know. And some of them probably converted to the ways of the Egyptians when they were slaves, because what what happens when you're up under people? Sometimes what's on them rubs up on you. So a lot of them had to um, had to get rid of their 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 the idolatry, their their worshiping of idols. When people doubt you, it may or may not get to you, but to Moses, I'm sure it did get to him. You may be gifted to to plow through other people's hate or the naysaying, or you may be one of those people like Moses, who sometimes you think about what people say. You know, sometimes you, you think about whether you can do this or this and that and the third, right? Moses had to get with God to unclog his haters and he had to get with God to unclog, you know, the words that his daughters were saying, right? Because Moses had to realize that it, it wasn't about him. It was about God. Moses had to unclog a lot of stuff. Moses had to unclog his spiritual defenses in everything that he learned under Pharaoh's rulership. Because remember, Pharaoh was not a child of God. Pharaoh and the Egyptians were not God worshipers, right? They worship idols and they worship idolaters. Moses had to be unclogged and unlearned of his Egyptian ways 
because he was what he was born a Hebrew. What does God have to unclog out of you? What does God have to unclog out of your life? I pray that as you're listening to this podcast, I pray that you will allow God to do a cleansing in your life. And don't worry about your background. Don't worry about how you were raised. Don't worry about what people say. Just allow God to mold you into the purpose man and woman of God that he has for you and that he saw before you were born. God said in his word, before I formed you, I knew you. You may not be a prophet. You may not be a king, but you are a child of God. You are a child of God. And it says in Jeremiah chapter 1 verses 5, the King James Version. The King James Version. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Right? So what God is saying to you is before you are even born, he ordained you to do whatever it is that he has for you in your life. You can do whatever it is that God has set for you to do. You have to get rid of the naysayers. You have to get rid of the doubters. You have to even get rid of your own doubts and your own your own uh, clogged up uh, notions that you have about yourself. You may be thinking you have a stuttering problem. You can't do this. You know, you may think that you have certain issues and you can't do this. Doctors label you as mentally unfit to do certain things. But God said it doesn't matter what they label you as. You can come from special ed and you're called to be a professor. It doesn't matter what the labels were put on you. Moses had a lot of labels, but he still led his people. Some of those, some of those labels Moses put on himself. Some of those labels other people put on him. Some of those labels may have come from the Egyptians, right? But it didn't matter the labels that God, that Moses had on his life. God had to get Moses unclogged and ready for God's purpose. Why? Because it wasn't about Moses. It was about God and his people. You have to get unclogged today. Let this be the beginning of your season number one to where you allow God to unclog you so that you can reflect for the rest of 2020 who God has called you to be. Who does God want you to be? I don't care if you're sitting down on welfare. I don't care if you're sitting down on Section 8 or public assistance or you're borrowing money from people. This may not be what God has for you in 10, 15, 20 years from now, even 30 years. Maybe you may at some point in your life put your kids to college and they never have to apply for a scholarship. They never have to apply for a loan because you're going to be that financially stable. But you have to get unclogged today. You have to begin a journey that says, I am going to get unclogged spiritually and mentally. I'm going to unlearn all the things that I learned about myself. All those survival skills that I had to learn because I grew up in a certain environment. I'm going to get rid of all of it. Why? Because where God has you, where God is going to call you to be, you're not going to need those. Some of it you may need, yes. But God is going to call you to such a place to where you're going to become even unrecognizable to yourself because you're going to look back and you're going to look in 30 years and 40 years and 45 years and in 50 years and in 60 years and even your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. You're going to look back on your life and say, I don't even recognize that old person anymore. God is going to unclog you so well and you're going to have a free flow of the abundance of God 
and the abundance of Jesus Christ in your life that you're going to look back and you're going to look at who you used to be and you're going to think that man you're not going to even recognize that old person yet you're going to be so bewildered and you're going to be so in awe of the things that God is going to do for you if you just right now say yes to God if you just say yes to God right now it doesn't have to be easy it doesn't have to feel easy you're going to be scared you're going to have to let go some people. You're going to have to let go some things. You're going to have to let go some ways, right? And you're going to have to let go of some ways that people expect you to be. They expect you to act a certain way. They expect you to act unruly or ghetto or a hood-like. You're going to have to get rid of all of that. And you're going to have to unclog yourself. But first, all you need to do is say yes to God. And every day, you have to show up and say yes to God. You don't have to get it right every single day. But if you start out with a yes and you end with a yes... God is going to take care of everything else. If you just show up, if you just show God that you are willing, that you are here, that you are willing to say yes, you are willing to do the things of God, you are willing to, 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 to let God use you because you know that it's not about you. It's about a bigger purpose. It's about God's people. It's about God himself. This thing is about eternal life eventually, right? Say yes to God. Get unclogged. Of the things that used to keep you bound because the future you is going to love the you that's gonna say yes right now and I pray and I pray 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 pray, pray okay that this podcast is a blessing to you and that you stay the course in this life right this journey is not easy but it's going to be worth it who you're gonna be the 2.0 version of you because you are saying yes to God today is going to be so worth it that in 10 and 15 years from now, you are going to be so happy that you said yes to God and no to the world that you are going to have a praise report. You are, going to, you are going to do your praise dance, right? You are going to start telling people that you need to say yes. All it takes is one yes, yes to God for him to start you out on a course that's going to change your life for the better. Say yes to God to get unclogged today so that God can use you for his greater purpose that he has for you. Be blessed in Jesus' name and spend the rest of 2020 drawing closer to God because a 2.0 version of you is going to thank you later on. So say yes to God today.